Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the Smackdown Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamplett and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on Friday night's episode of Smackdown. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review Raw and Smackdown, but also NXT, AW Dynamite, pay-per-views, we have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week, complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Hamlet and Cedric to review SmackDown and an eventful episode, Michael Hamlet. What do you think of it? Um, I thought it was a marginal upgrade from the SmackDown we reviewed last week, which was a real turkey. Uh, but there's a lot of problems. And my only real takeaway was that it is absolutely, from the SmackDown, it is okay to delete tweets. Delete tweets if you want. Um, if Zelina Vega can delete, I support unionization. I can delete all the tweets where I once might have said SmackDown was good back in uh, 2020. I think that's only fair. Um, a thoroughly dispiriting segment that was. We'll go into a bit more detail on it and the, I guess some of the nuances to the debate. Um, but it sort of underscored the fundamental problems that still exist on this show, um, regardless of if it's the better, the lesser of the two WWE main roster evils. I thought this was a bad show. I thought this was a bad show. Here's, I'm going to jump ahead to a segment just to illustrate my point. This is a fundamentally bad professional wrestling TV show. What I'm about to cite as an example wasn't my least favorite moment of the show, but it just nonetheless illustrates to me that standards are so low. Bad habits and terrible booking and just stupidity is so baked into this product that... It just has become the norm. It's become accepted. It's not even an insight to talk about. It's not even noticed that this happened. And yet it makes for a terrible professional wrestling show. Apollo Crews is the intercontinental champion, right? He's lost his last two matches. The man's a champion. I didn't see a soul. I didn't see one single soul bury this or talk about this or use the fact that your intercontinental champion has lost two consecutive TV matches when he's a champion. It's just something that they do and something that gets ignored because either people don't want to don't care enough to talk about it, or it's better than Raw, or there's a good character in the main event. It's a bad wrestling TV show. And that wasn't even the most egregious bit of pro wrestling booking on it. I quite enjoyed this show, but I will caveat that <laughs> by the by saying I'd sort of had a nice few days out of the loop of everything. And in a particularly good mood on Sunday. Not sure why that was, but um, yeah, was in a very good headspace watching this show and uh, di- didn't know about Zelina Vega's resent, hadn't had that spoil or anything like that. And obviously we'll get into what happened with her in due course. Um, but, and again, I suppose this is me watching the show at my leisure. It, it, it's always interesting to see how I would review Monday Night Raw if I did that just casually on a you know Tuesday afternoon if I wasn't working or something. Would I see it differently? Probably not because it's bloody Monday Night Raw. But it, it, it flew by. But as we go through it, I sense that I'm going to go, oh, no, yeah, maybe that was rubbish. And I was just sort of 
still enjoying scoring four goals and beating Ukraine in the European Championships. Anyway, we'll we'll, uh, we'll get back to the wrestling rather than football, Adam. And we'll start with the opening of the show, which uh, recapped, obviously, what happened uh, with Edge the previous week. And uh, he made his entrance, he came down and he cut a promo uh, talking about what was supposed to happen for him at WrestleMania, what he thought was going to go down. The culmination of a 10-year journey, winning the world title, obviously a decade after retiring to the day, I believe. Um, he said he was still shocked it didn't happen the way he'd envisaged it. Uh, he, he thinks about the match. He actually went back and re-watched the match. Um, and he said, yeah, I could blame Daniel Bryan for, for pulling me out of the ring uh, or Jey Uso for getting involved, et cetera, et cetera, when I was going for the concerto. And 2006, me, would. But this is 2021. I'm a different person. And um, now, having been in the ring with Reigns one-on-one, I know I can beat him. And he knows I can beat him as well. Uh, And they did this weird thing where they uh, put up the image from the previous week, uh, not previous week, sorry, from WrestleMania, of of Edge with the the piece of the broken chair, the cross face on him, and the shot of Roman's eyes, and then the shot of... Uh, of Edge's eyes, and he was talking about the fear in his eye, in Reigns' eyes, pronouns pal, and the uh, confidence and the assuredness and the fact that he knew he could beat him in his own eyes, cheers, etc. He said, I've got Reigns' number, I'm going to win the Universal title at Money in the Bank. And he walked back up the ramp and we cut backstage, not to Roman Reigns, who was conspicuous by his absence on this show, but to Jimmy Uso, who came up to Paul Heyman, who uh, looked like he had a lot on his plate, let's just say, and uh, said he wasn't happy. Are we going to let Edge get away with saying stuff like that, insulting the head of the table? Well, I've got Roman's back, just like I know he's got mine, and I'll get him back for Edge's comments, uh, Edge, Edge for his comments later on in the show. What do you make of this uh, opening segment, Hamlet? Uh, I really like this. Uh, yeah. So the thing, uh, it's. <laughs> it's we're gonna we might as well do the gag now when he said yeah, if i was 2006 edge we probably all went oh we wish you were all 2006 edge <laughs> but that aside right i tell you why i really like this at wrestlemania um there was the prevailing thought that either brian was going to win or brian was going to be there to take the fall to preserve and protect the roman reigns edge singles match for down the road wherever that was going to be and here we are now instead WWE actually committed to something in a way they almost never do wins and losses actually mattered for a few seconds and Roman beat them both stacked them up one on top of each other absolutely conclusive a genuine satisfying feeling that the champion is retained by being the best of the lot something they almost never do and they actually did it so this was just a a scant reminder a desert rose that sometimes when they do that you can still be fine and promote a match by being a little bit creative like good booking and this isn't great booking or anything but like just conclusive booking will force creativity it will make you think of ways to build matches despite the fact that you've delivered clean victories clean you know weapons and all that aside or a conclusive victory and that's what this was they couldn't have an image of roman reigns sat on his ass on the ramps having stolen one like they so often do (laughs) He'd he'd won as a mega dominant champion and they have to think of a way for edge to sell getting another go at this and by being forced by forcing themselves and having to think of something I think they did a pretty reasonable job in the hands of a guy that you can trust to try and get the concept over as well. Edge has found this image. There has found this moment that he believes he had it won and he believed he'd gotten in the head of this guy that nobody else has been able to get anywhere near. And because it's Edge and because he's got all this prestige, you're kind of willing to go along. Do I think he's going to win the title at Money in the Bank? Absolutely not. So was it a fully effective promo? No. But I think in terms of just that little reminder to this ridiculous company you can deliver a finish and then be creative enough to get the add-on matches you want or the sequels or whatever after the fact. Like, I thought this was pretty good. I hated this. (laughs) (laughs) I hated this, and I'll tell you why. Right. There's a kernel of a half-decent idea. What they want to do is plant the idea that there is a means with which Edge can beat Roman Reigns at Money in the Bank. I mean, it's a straight singles match. I don't know how he's going to use a chair, but maybe he'll just... They're building a moment of suspense in the match when Edge traps him in the cross face, dead centre, middle of the ring. Roman's going to do the face again, and you're going to think in that moment, informed by the storytelling decision, that the result is in doubt. And because Edge 
was in phenomenal form at WrestleMania because Roman Reigns is in phenomenal form generally. That's what's really going to get over. And that's what this TV segment sought to accomplish. All very good. I still think Edge is a boring bastard babyface who I can't be asked with. Between his intense demeanor, hmm. the conspiratorial adjacent, look what I found, look what I found, look what I found thing on the Tron and his unkempt, bedraggled look. It came off to me in this segment like a totally unhinged, paranoid lunatic. <laughs> and that's not really good babyface storytelling for me at all. Lost in his promo was the fact that he didn't win because he was dumb enough, and he's still a babyface again, apparently. He was dumb enough to fall arse backwards into a situation where Daniel Bryan got himself into the match. All along, all along, Edge could have simply said, Roman, this is the match I want. I'm going to face you one-on-one at WrestleMania. And then he can build a storyline from the fact that he's made his decision. They instead dithered. And it was all getting a bit so drab that they just realised our Edge isn't the guy to headline WrestleMania. I mean, if they just had realised, you know, fans will probably like him, then maybe it could have been different. But I just thought he came off so paranoid and desperate here. I just didn't like it at all. Just the expression on his face, his demeanour. It just looked like a lunatic. It just looked very, very paranoid. It didn't look like a guy who I wanted to win, even though he kind of looked like someone who's made you think that he could, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Mm. It's not too unlike the stuff that Sami Zayn's been doing on this exact same show. Using an isolated bit of footage to suit his narrative, that's clearly not true. Basically, he was dumb enough to get himself into this position. He lost... Virtually clean, or at least he should have realized I'm probably going to get knackered by Jay Uso because his interference would be perfectly legal, Cole. He's isolated a bit of footage that makes him look like a winner when he was anything but on the night, which they printed a T-shirt to completely formalize. And then he's come back and decided to beat up Roman Reigns for no reason. He's just not a baby face to me, and I didn't like this at all. I'm sort of between the two of you on this one. Um I'm not a fan, usually, certainly with what we talk about in NXT, of the intense promo, because it doesn't really do anything for me. You know, you need a bit of light and shade, and there's a far too serious tone a lot of the time, particularly over on NXT. But I did like the fact that he accepted, well, he did to a certain extent, accept that he lost. Like he said, well, I on paper, I probably had the match won, but at the end of the day, the result reads a win for Roman Reigns. And, and Sid and I often moan about this all the time, particularly feels important on this week of all weeks. Conor McGregor is fighting Dustin Poirier uh, this weekend. He lost comprehensively to Dustin Poirier in the last time. Uh, uh, and he's still, you know, saying, oh, I'm going to batter him this time. You know, the amount of times that MMA can produce a better storyline than WWE and they can't control the result is it's infuriating. And, and, and I suppose, like you say, Hanfler, I, I don't think he's going to win. I think we all know. It's going to be a loss, probably influenced by a an unhinged Seth Rollins, quite possibly uh, heading the way uh, of Edge at Money in the Bank. But just like the fact, I just like the fact that uh, <laughs> that it, yeah, he he didn't no sell what happened he, he, to a certain extent, I suppose. But uh, yeah, I, I did. Enjoy, I, do you know what? I did like the fact that, that there was no Roman Reigns this week that they gave him at least, you know, as, as and the fact that Edge acknowledged it himself, that he, it hurt, losing hurt, and he had to take some time off because it really does annoy me that, you know, the classic old John Cena, well, I lost, but uh, here I am next week sort of thing. That's that's a nice, <laughs> even just a, just a tiny ratchet up on the levels of appreciation for this show. Uh, that was followed by Rick Boogs officially welcoming us to Friday Night Smackdown and introducing, I believe, I believe he called him, Kingsuke Nakamura, uh, old mad gimmick, which, yes, the mood I was in, I was very, very much uh, excited about. Particularly, Pat McAfee and Benny Sutton teabagging Michael Cole on the desk. No idea what's going on there. It's getting more and more preposterous each week. They obviously recapped the winner is the king from the previous week on SmackDown. And then we got uh, Big E coming out. God. Oh, just, I don't know whether I was just on that wave of emotion, but I just thought, 
what a top bloke Big E is. And please, God, don't screw up, make him world champion because this aura he's got of just like, just getting on with people. It's nice to see. Uh, outcomes, uh, as Sid mentioned, the Intercontinental Champion Apollo Crews, uh, flanked by Commander Aziz. And then out came Sad Baron Corbin. Um, there was a WWE.com video, I think they showed, uh, of him not only not being the king anymore, but also being crap at crypto or something. He'd lost loads of money uh, and investments. He was sad and he came out with, you know, a slightly uh, unkempt look, let's just say. He'd, uh, uh, he'd, he'd lost all this money in these investments. He bloody had a little bit of a cry or attempted to, at least on that dot-com video, more so than the previous week on SmackDown, which was ridiculous. Um yeah, he, he hadn't shaved. He'd grown a bit of, you know, fuzz that you'd never see on a consumer professional like Andy Murray. And, uh, yeah, they made a meal of this. Like, bloody hell, look at the state of him. And he didn't look that bad to me. He just hadn't had a shave, basically. He comes down to the ring. He's looking very depressed, doesn't want to be there sort of thing. And then the announcer not only uh, announces him as King Corbin, but then corrects themselves to say Baron Corbin. And he's like, oh, bloody hell, it's even more embarrassing now. Uh, he's, he's, he's sad, yeah. He's distracted. He doesn't want to be there. Uh, he's up on the ring apron and uh, Apollo Crews initially in the match does it, does a lot of work. Tags Corbin in after a, a back and forth with Big E. Big E just chins him and he goes, all right, okay, well, we're having a fight then. Let's have it out. So Corbin does actually come in, get some offense in, throws Big E over the barricade. And then later on in the match, uh, Cruz and Nakamura brawl to the outside. They, they brawl around ringside. Uh, Corbin is in control of Big E when Rick Boogs gets on the mic to announce that the owner of a car with a number plate that's sort of spelt Corbin, I suppose, or King Corbin. Um, yeah, that car's being towed or repossessed or something, and they cut to the back, and yes, it's being taken up on a truck. And uh, this whole distraction, of course, uh, allows Big E to hit the big ending, get the victory. And uh, once again, the focus returns post-match to sad Corbin in the ring. Um, he's sad, he's broke. What do you think of this character change, Sid, and, and what do you make of the match? It's all garbage, man. It's all <laughs> total garbage in which nobody gets over. Nakamura and Boogs are just spiteful dickheads. Yeah, he came. I'll, we'll get to the segment in a bit, but Boogs came across like a massive arsehole here. Like he comes across as a massive spiteful dickhead. There's just no need, no need to do this. Like you've beaten him, haven't you? Beaten him in this food. Um, absolutely no need to do this. I feel like the people I want to cheer theoretically because they're the baby faces. I think. There's some kind of double turn. I've got, I'm just, I'm completely mystified, <laughs> mystified by what I'm meant to be um, feeling here. I think the baby faces are spiteful dickheads doing unnecessary things. Baron Corbin, if I wanted to like him, pitying him isn't the way to do that. It's just fundamentally rubbish professional wrestling storytelling, or in fact, any kind of storytelling. Because um, I don't sympathize with them. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. The match itself, for what it was, how could I possibly care? Mm -hmm. I've seen this dynamic. Putting, it's like literally two wrongs don't make a right. Two wrongs do not make a right. And that's what SmackDown's been trying to do of late by just putting incredibly worn, we've done it two consecutive weeks, I might add, two incredibly worn dynamics separately that have been going on for Christ knows how long, too long, Christ knows mm -hmm. that at least, and just simply putting them together in tag team matches. Mm -hmm. They're literally trying to make two wrongs make a right here. I hate the fact that I have to see these particular wrestle wrestlers wrestle, these now four particular wrestlers wrestle. The character dynamics are all off. I, just, I hate WWE. Yeah. What did you make of it? Because it came across, Sage, don't, don't hate me, but I'm trying to get, make, make light of this situation. Mom, can we have Hangman Page? No, we've got <laughs> Hangman Page at home. 100% council pop hangman page Baron Corbin isn't it and it doesn't it just speak to the nature of the two companies as well a down on his luck guy like battles with the struggles of mental health and a two year redemption arc and a down on his luck guy is mocked and ridiculed and laughed at by every single one of his colleagues and you encourage to do the same like it speaks to the sort of the, the differing natures of the people behind the scenes too yeah um, 
echo Sidgwick's take on this. The so they're looking for you to care as much as you did about the heel antics of Baron Corbin from about two years ago to be able to relish his current misery. Like, really, when was the last time Baron Corbin did something so abhorrent that you could be like, right, I need his suffering. I need, uh, I don't know, Vince McMahon to have his head shoved inside the arsehole of Rikishi because he's been making other people kiss his for the last month. You know, like... I need Linda McMahon to rise in a wheelchair to kick him in the balls because he had Trish Stratus on hands and knees making a bark like a dog. That's what this Baron Corbin like chapter requires. That's the heat that we're talking about in order for you to piss yourself at his abject misery and laugh along with Rick Boog's horrendous patter later on the show. They're nowhere near any of that. Um, the loss of money was the attempt like too late now the horse is already bolted and you're trying to close a stable door what was the attempt to rectify our piss-taking critique of the winner is the king because he spent five weeks fighting over that toy and never once explained what that would do to somebody's life after the fact so they might be like oh the answer to that is nothing so we're gonna have to say that baron corbin's lost loads of money instead to try and like justify why it's such a bad thing that nakamura's like walking around in his crown now uh just garbage content and there's probably nothing more egregious on this episode, um, an example of the sort of thing that like SmackDown gets away with. There's something that's like more infuriating later on that we're going to talk about. And there's like plenty of bad WWE littered throughout this. But this is probably the one where, um, yeah, people, as Cedric kind of alluded to in the intro about Apollo Crews, the Intercontinental title. I think this in general shows how much more leeway people give SmackDown because this is like right out of Raw, and it'd be getting so much more grief if it was on a Monday. The exact same thing. What a mean-spirited company this is. Mm. You know, we'll talk more about it when we get to that uh, Boogs backstage segment. But, I did, like, I'm certainly not the biggest fan of Baron Corbin, but I did think, like, oh, leave him alone a little bit. I feel a bit sorry for him. Like, it, but it's, like you say, it's such a quick turnaround to be like, yeah, he's, he's broke now, and he's sad. That's what it is. So there we go. Although not the worst booking. Someone uh, tweeted us a question on the news today, Sid, saying, should they bring back Steph and Triple H as authority figures for, for Roman to feud with? Oh, my God, no. Please, God, no. Uh, anyway, let's move on. Let's talk uh, about this next segment featuring Bianca Belair and Bailey. Out comes Bailey. All the pomp and ceremony as usual. Uh, and she talks about pinning Bianca Belair the previous week in that mixed tag match also featuring Seth Rollins and Cesaro. She said that proves that basically Belair beating her at Helen and was a complete fluke. Not mentioning the other thing that happened. Anyway, um, she said, uh, oh, it's a lot of pressure, isn't it? You know, I, I held this title for a long, long time. I know what it feels like and shouldn't really be getting pinned that early on in your title reign. Uh, get your head in the game. We, we're coming back in front of fans. Maybe you're a bit worried uh, in a couple of weeks that you're not going to be received the right sort of way. She talks about being in Belair's head. There's all you suck chants coming through and Belair's music hits. She comes out. She says, you know what? You are. You are in my head because no matter how many times I beat you, you're going to roll out the bloody excuses and say that you want another shot, etc. So I want this to be over. You and me, money in the bank. I quit match. Bailey feigns shock, then starts laughing and realizes, oh, Belair's actually serious. You should know, Bianca, Bailey says, I'll never quit. If I quit, I'll quit SmackDown. I'll quit WWE. I'll quit wrestling altogether not officially obviously because we all know who's, who's losing this match but you know um she accepts belair's challenge belair starts laughing more laughing in this feud please starts laughing uh and says you know what i just realized i am fed up of hearing you talk 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 but i am looking forward to you saying two words i quit at money in the bank i mean it's an extra match, Hamlet. Yeah. Um, mixed feelings on this. And yeah. they're, all informed, they're all informed by my personal biases and not objective analysis. Um, I love Bailey and I want this to take place in front of a crowd. I don't want it to take place, if that makes sense. I have no like no sort of interest in another Bailey Bianca Belair match, but I have such faith, especially after Hell in a Cell, actually, especially after Hell in a Cell. I have such faith in the two of them that in front of an audience, which is what they're going to get in Money in the Bank, uh, they'll somehow find something for me to like about it on the night. They'll play to a crowd, as Bianca Belair got to at WrestleMania. 
in like glorious cinematic fashion. That's going to be quite nice. I also really liked um, that they've set up something quite interesting here. Like, let's say ding dong goodbye to Bailey for a while because nothing helps the character in WWE like disappearing. Um, and she's been a permanent fixture, at times a vital one of the mm. pandemic era. So go break, go rest, go heal up, go give that character some time off, you know, make people miss you rather than like being a little bit sick of you, which even me, somebody wearing a frigging t-shirt as we review this podcast is starting to feel about the Bailey character. Um, so they kind of, I don't want to just let them get away with it because it's like another Bailey Bianca Belair match because they haven't got a women's division. So what the frig else could they do until <laughs> Sasha Banks is ready for the return for the SummerSlam match because Sasha Banks has fought for and knows her worth and we'll just wait until the timing's right. So she gets the slot back in immediately after Bianca Belair beats Bailey again. I wasn't not interested in the I quit element. Not so much the stipulation of the match, the idea that Bailey will follow through on that and disappear. I think that helps too. Um, I They've kind of in very WWE fashion, they've sort of stolen one more out of me. Yeah. I don't think they can do anything right, is my broad take. I was talking before, literally in the previous segment, about how mean-spirited this company can be and how its value system is so utterly warped that it becomes impossible for me, someone who's, you know, a bit of a snarky arsehole, but I know my right from my wrong. I know what about punching down and punching up. I can't get on board with the way they present their characters. In contrast to that segment, this is meant to be, it's absolutely pissing it down outside, just darkening my mood all the more. (laughs) In contrast, this is meant to be. Well, as he says that, (laughs) it's, it's... He's frozen. Is, is he frozen for you, Hamlet? Yeah, has the weather been so bad in Gateshead currently that it's just not the Wi-Fi out, do you think? <laughs> Quite possibly. Well, turns out Sidgwick loved that segment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we will uh, we will get our, our uh, technical abilities to try and get Sidgwick back on this. That, that couldn't have come at a more perfect time, I suppose. Uh, and we'll, you and I will talk, Hamlet, instead um, about what happened next with uh, with Jimmy Uso and Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman, very disingenuous here. Jimmy Uso, once again. Yep, Sidgwick's officially gone from the call. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Uso coming up to Paul Heyman, asking where Reigns is, what's he doing? Is he... Is he it was really, I, I do, did quite like this because effectively Paul Heyman didn't say anything and let Jimmy Uso talk himself into attacking edge because he said, where's Reigns? What's he doing? Why is he waiting? Etc. And then he, and then he, Paul Heyman didn't say anything. So he just went, I know he's waiting for me to make the first move. I'm going to call out edge and Heyman smiles and nods at him. And then the moment he leaves, the smile drops from his face. Paul Heyman is a master manipulator, not exactly front page news, but I appreciated it nonetheless with the uh, the lack of Roman Reigns on this show. I think I did. I don't, I don't know what to make of this. Do they, do the WWE creative team, or specifically Vincent Mann and Gorilla, realise that this is Jimmy and not Jay? Like, <laughs> yes. A couple of weeks ago, and like me and Phil talked about this on Friday's preview as well, the, the, the prevailing idea, we think, is that maybe Jimmy's playing a longer game. Can't quite work out what that game is anymore. It might be twister or frustration rather than getting Roman Reigns. But like the, the idea was he knows where Jay Uso is and he's not telling. And he's trying to fix this awful situation he's walked back into from his injury. In the last two weeks, he's just kind of like been doing Jay Uso stuff. Like Roman doesn't seem to respect him. Paul Heyman doesn't seem to respect him. Jimmy is supposed to be wise to that. We're supposed to think that Jimmy is wise to that and that there's something else happening here. Yeah. That's two weeks in a row where like it doesn't feel like something's happening. It feels like what's happening. It was exactly what was happening before Jimmy came back, which is Anuso is doing the bidding. I don't know. Like, There's I, been no catalyst for change that I've noticed and gone, well, that's no. the, 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 you know, the fork in the road sort of moment, is there? I, I'm looking for clues and I'm worried that I shouldn't be. And Jay is going to return. And they're going to be like, and then we're supposed to ask, oh, where's he been? And then WWE will be like, oh, I came out of that. Bloodline, to the <laughs> trio. Like, I, I don't know. I, Slight worries about this, um, especially compounded by like the main event segment, much like going the same way as the mm. one the week prior. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash whatculture. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Let's instead talk about... Um, my highlight of, of this week's show, I really enjoyed this, even if, oh, they must have been feeling this on Saturday morning. It was the last man standing match, uh, Money in the Bank qualifier, Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn. They bloody love kicking the crap out of each other, don't they? And that that's, that's that's you know, a part of that is obviously their relationship. You've talked in the past, uh, Hamlet, about the fact that if you mates with someone, you can probably lay in a bit stiffer and... Yep, they certainly uh, seem to showcase that. Obviously, they uh, lots and lots of ten counts. I don't want to go through them all here. Just try and cliff notes the uh, the main thing. Uh, Zayn getting backdrop over the barricade, slammed into the screens, uh, sent on off the barricade onto Zayn at ringside. But he obviously beats the ten count. Imagine if that just been it, and that's it. No, um, <laughs> they're brawling around the table. Zayn slams Owens onto the table. It didn't budge. Uh, Owens struggles to get to his feet, but obviously beats the count. Then Owen sets up two tables uh, at ringside, just uh, close to the uh, to the turnbuckle. More on that a little bit later on, because he tries to superplex Zane on over the ring post onto them, but he fights back, knocks, knocks Owens down, sends him to the floor, dives out, takes him out. Later on, uh, Zane's got Owens on the top rope, attempts to superplex, but Owens counters with that brilliant fisherman suplex uh, that he does, uh, and obviously expertly executed with uh, with Sami Zayn in there. So Owens goes to do uh, another huge move onto those tables, but uh, Zayn slips out and has exposed the sort of bit that connects the ropes to the turnbuckle, uh, to the ring post, sorry, uh, and allows him to uh, to get out and then push Owens over the ring post, flips, goes through both tables, which are stacked on top of each other. And you think, well, that's got to be it. But much to, to Zane's and my shock, uh, Owens beats the count. They end up brawling on the apron. Owens goes for a stunner, but Zane hits him with that half Nelson, half Nelson suplex on the hardest part of the ring. Halluva kick from Zane. Another halluva kick. This time he catches him, holds him up and says, this is karma. Hits him with a third halluva kick. Surely that's got to be it. Zane qualifies for Money in the Bank. No. Owens rolls out of the ring. They, I do... I don't know when that first happened, but I love that of you're out on your feet, but because you're rolling to the outside, your feet will naturally hit the floor first. Yeah. And so you make it to a 10 count and then immediately collapse to the floor. That's exactly what happened here. Uh, Owens fights back in the ring, uh, oh, fights back, eventually gets back in the ring, pop-up powerbomb, stunner, Zayn rolls out to the floor. Owens follows him, though, and uh, well, reiterates what Zayn said to him. This is karma power bombs him through the announce table this time it breaks he immediately picks zane up and power bombs him through uh another table that had been set up at ringside and you think well all right that's enough kevin no once more picks him up power bomb on the edge of the ring apron uh the the infamous spot that of course injured zane when he was nxt champion 
And that puts Sami Zayn down for the 10 count. Owens qualifies for Money in the Bank. Uh, I was obviously devastated with Sami Zayn not making it to Money in the Bank, although considering the amount of bloody last chance things that are going on, maybe he will. Who knows? Okay. But if he's not going to make it into the match, this was a hell of a way to sell it, pun not necessarily intended. What did you make of this epic last man standing match, Hamflirt? I still don't know. I still don't know because you're right in that assessment. It was epic or at least epic feeling. He replicated epic pro wrestling. Um, they beat the out of each other here. Uh, and by all accounts, Sami Zayn is feeling it today, injury-wise. And, you, you know, can't be surprised at that. It was super, super hard hitting. But just, I don't know. I think it was too strange to love. Like, psychologically, there wasn't a lot to this beyond the finish, you know? Kevin Owens looking into the eyes of his friend again and saying, like, how on earth has it ended up back here? Of all places, of all times in our lives, how are we still doing this? I thought that was like a kind of cute nod to the fact that we're stuck with these two fighting for the rest of all of our lives. <laughs> um, but just, well, it's just like nearly 25 minutes, man. And you're just, you're watching this physically damaging, literally so, physically damaging match on these two men, one of which Kevin Owens said he was going away for a while. That was an eight-day break. Mm. And he's back having a match like this to, to wrestle at a pay-per-view next month. So that that was his going away for a while, I guess. Unless he's been asked to just come in and work this ladder match and take a few more bumps. On a show that for the second week in a row, and it's not just an isolated SmackDown problem for this, but on the second week in a row, just arbitrarily added people to Money in the Bank matches. Following a Raw where you've got a last chance match. So it's like, why kill yourself for this when you can, theoretically, you should be allowed to enter a last chance battle royal, but there's no rules. There's no framework. There's no stipulations that apply to everybody. It's just making it up as they go along stuff. And like, yeah, I did objectively enjoy the visuals of elements of this match. And if that's like, that's too many qualifiers to say you liked a bit of a match. But yeah, in the in the context of which it was set up, money in the bank, last man standing, blah, blah, blah. It's all just so much of these spots and dangerous moments just felt like they were just completely going to waste. What have I missed? There's been a flash flood in Gateshead. Um, completely just, not the internet connection. Well, we just said, obviously, uh, you're a huge fan of uh, everything we've discussed in the interim. And um, no, we're talking about the uh, the last man standing match, Owens versus Zayn. What do you think? Have I missed the Zelina Vega discourse? Not yet. We no. haven't got there yet. Okay. Um, yeah, it's such a strange, like, natural, logical but also massive cell phone of a plot line. The whole thread between Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn right now is that they are sick of wrestling each other and they hate each other so much that they are driven to these ever new lengths of violence just to try and like end the other because they're simply sick of the sight of one another. It's not good booking because the implication is that you've booked this to death, you haven't told your stories correctly enough to make people want to see the matches, the very people involved can't be bossed with it. So it's not virtually all conflict in pro wrestling is about how two people hate each other. Like this is descended into full on loathing. And, you know, it makes sense, but I wouldn't put on my TV show. You know, I probably would because it's better than anything else on it, but it's still <laughs> like, it's a self own for it to have gotten this far. And God bless Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn for kind of half recognizing this. Like, they are, with their various um, facial expressions and these sequences, and yes, the exposition, they are communicating to the audience, yeah, this is not exactly life-affirming. It's almost the opposite, but it is what it is, and we're going to try and tell the best story we can that's coherent to this absolutely enormous symbiotic relationship that we've sort of built over the years. Um, so it's weird. It's such a strange thing to like. It really is. But because they're so good, it was half impossible not to like. The way they built towards the various stunts were great. I haven't heard a table sound as good as that for quite some time. It was beautiful in its violence. Um, but how do we get here? How do we get here? What, is basically, what they're basically saying, the subtext of how do we get here is, Christ, yes, we are doing it again, but let's try and make something of it. Um, long match, don't like the stipulation generally. Um, doing it on TV makes it all the more staggered and tedious. Um, but you can't not admire the sheer amount of work they're putting into it. Mm. Such yeah. a such a like 
where we started where we're at thing about Kevin Owens eight days ago saying just going to walk away for a little while guys take a little break cut to the pop sound as he backflipped through that table <laughs> <from the corner. laughs> I just like the idea of that you know that whiteboard we always talk about with the writers room with all the stuff written on it they've gone from someone writing oh Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn the chant they've written fight forever and they've gone oh cool fight forever so they just that's the easy book in yeah. there just, it's, it's they're, they're, every week they have a lose if you know in the old territories a loser, loser leaves town match but no one actually leaves and I'm still so bloody desperate Hamlet to, to 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 cling on to the possibility of Sami Zayn being Mr Money in the Bank that I realised as I said uh, earlier well anything could happen but they have announced the two final qualifying matches it is uh, Seth Rollins versus Cesaro next week and Kingsuke Nakamura versus Baron Corbin but they're still a me. <laughs> There's still a part of me that thinks, well, I've seen, you know, broken, sad Baron Corbin being broken, sad on SmackDown. And then I randomly saw something online about him selling his watch to Dolph Ziggler or something. I don't know if that was on bloody main event or it was a dot com exclusive or whatever it is. So it's always so you're telling me there's a chance. There's a bit of me that's like maybe Sami Zayn buys Corbin's spot in a qualifier. I don't know. I'm really reaching. Maybe when you were away last week, you might have missed the news that WWE have uh, trademarked Happy Corbin. So maybe he's just going to win one in the bank and it's going to be the new Shorty G and like his logo is going to be like the big smiley face emoji or something. Just Happy Corbin. Happy Corbin. Happy Corbin. Right, well, we're, close, we're stopping this now review after that. You've ruined it. <laughs> uh, no, Edge uh, bumped up, was chatting to Megan Rant backstage and he was like, Megan, right? You're new around here. Don't get used to it because a lot of people get bruised. Uh, but he said, uh, uh, we all know what's happening. Jimmy also called me out. We all know that this is a trap, but I don't care. I'm, I hate Roman Reigns. I hate his family. Um, and that was that. And then we got the bit, yeah, with uh, Rick Boogs following Baron Corbin around doing King-based jokes. Like, oh, well, I guess you better get home to your Ooh, king-size bed. Pew-pew, gotcha. And uh, yeah, Corbin just says, screw you and walks off effectively. It reminded me, Hamlet, of, and I'm not going to name any names, the day after one of our Christmas parties, which is always a struggle, obviously, in the What Culture office, and everyone needs to be extra nice to each other and certainly not turn around and say, oh, hey, mate, uh, I need you to do these eight other jobs for me. But uh, again, I'm not going to name names. Someone who'd played myself and Michael Hamlet in our big uh, pool final, uh, half caught me and Michael Hamlet, I'd like this to be pointed out, in the final, just as a bit of, bit, bit of fun, right? Not on the What Culture Wrestling team, by the way, so don't don't at anyone. Turn around to us on the Friday morning and was like, <laughs> how about you losing that final to me yesterday? It's just needless, isn't it? You don't need to do that. <laughs> I know when you went pew pew before, but I didn't expect that would be such a hard shoot. Um, yeah, needless is the word. Cruel, unpleasant. Um, Christ, Rick Boogs, man. Like, we always get here. Remember, remember Rick Boogs on NXT, and I think this was probably Sidgwick that flagged it up because he'd long tired of NXT, and this was well before the war or anything like that. It was like, ah, oh, that like this incomplete clown is a reason to watch the show again, and everybody really enjoyed it for a day. I say everybody really enjoyed it. Every other team at What Culture hated it because the wrestling team really enjoyed it. Um, an absurd human being reduced to this in a month of being on television. I liked Rick Boogs more when he was working KFC adverts trying to win the 24-7 title than I do as a yeah. full-time main roster regular. That's what this does. That's what this product and this writing does to people. If it was just like a rubbish show that tried hard but couldn't help be rubbish and was in some way endearing, I wouldn't go two-footed on it every time. It's just such an awful place <laughs> full of nasty, mean-spirited people. And when the wrestling's mid and the promos are obviously fake. I just there's not a single reason why anyone would like this. It baffles me that this promotion continues to exist. Uh, so uh, ten minutes after we watched two men try and kill each other for money in the bank uh, participation, Sonia Deville came out and went, oh, "I'm just going to reveal another name." Uh, not in my big list of not Liv Morgan, uh, who's going to be in the Women's Money in the Bank uh, ladder match. But it was a surprise. It was the return of Zelina Vega. She came out. Obviously, great to see her back on TV. 
uh, we'll talk about whether it's good to have her back in WWE in a second. Uh, she came out and she said, you know, big uh, herself up, talked about how she was going to win the money in the bank contract and cash it in on a wounded champion on either Raw Smackdown or NXT. We've not forgot about them. They're still a thing, remember? Uh, anyway, Liv Morgan comes out and, uh, yeah, whines. Great attribute for your baby face to have. I mean, justified, but still, eh. she comes out. She said, why is she in the match? Why am I not? I beat Carmella last week and she's still in the match, of course. Uh, she doesn't deserve to be in there. And Vega mocked her and said, look, I'm one of the most popular superstars in history. Uh, Morgan comes up to her back and forth. Slaps Selena Vega in the face, demands a match right now. She wants to prove she belongs in the match. And yeah, she beat her quicker than the notice, beat her uh, an injured uh, Angela Dawkins uh, a little bit later on in the show. Um, Vega did get some offense in. She uh, hit a running knee for a two count, uh, got rolled up for a near fall, then tried rolling Morgan up and holding the tights. But the referee spotted that, but of course didn't see it when Morgan did it right back to Selena Vega and Liv Morgan pins a returning Zelina Vega. Welcome back, Michael Sidgwick. <laughs> Again, what a value system this company has. You'll, I, I'm cynical about literally everything. I, this is feeling as magnified when I watch all things WWE. You can't tell me there was an element of, say, get her stuck in our own lane, shall we? Understand it's building on this storyline, which it's which itself is senseless. That. This only works if Liv Morgan wins, and even then it doesn't work because you've once again told your um, once again declining audience that wins and losses don't matter. And there's no continuity or there's no thread of logic to any of this. So even if the whole happy ending is Liv Morgan was senselessly screwed out of entering this match by authority figures who are no longer even like feuding anymore, because that seems to have been dropped. It's all a complete nonsense. This is very much putting the thumb down on Zelina Vega's head. And what a total nonsense everything pertaining to Liv Morgan is right now. Yeah, I had a bit of a roller coaster ride with this one, Hamlet, because Zelina Vega returned. And I thought, fantastic. I mean, okay, she's just gone straight in. Uh, fine. Um and then Liv Morgan comes out. And I was like, well, oh, she's kind of justified. She's moaning a little bit, you know. But she's just, she didn't book the storyline. Because they're making yeah. the character look like a knobhead. Yeah. So that happens. Uh, and I, you know, before the match gets booked, I think, wow, this could be amazing. They could bring Zelina back and really strap the rocket to her and give her the briefcase. Then she gets beaten by Liv Morgan with, you know, a, a, an asterisk, I suppose, with the whole grabbing the tights or whatever, which slightly undercuts Liv Morgan, but regardless... You know, and then I think, okay, well, Zelina Vega is, is still a feasible contender, I suppose, in terms of just bringing it back. It's slightly been, you know, watered down by her losing her first match back or whatever. But okay, and then I think, well, okay, Liv Morgan's, you know, having this redemption arc of, of you know, being denied, denied, denied. Eventually, gets in at the last minute and maybe wins the briefcase. And then I thought, I'm like, oh no. Little Miss Bliss are going to win this spooky stuff with Lily. That's what's going to happen. So what's even the point of all this? Well, indeed, what is even the point of all this? Um, this was an almost artful job of extinguishing a buzz of a returning wrestler. Like, I wasn't online watching this live or anything else, but I can well imagine the reaction when Zelina Vega appeared, despite the kind of nonsensical manner in which she was announced, a return was announced. It would have been a huge... Huge buzz. People were, in the very same week, fantasy booking that she would arrive on Dynamite as a replacement for Vicky Guerrero, and instead here she is on SmackDown. Like, that becomes a talking point. That becomes something to speculate on and things to be excited about, and then within a minute and a half, they've extinguished all of that buzz. They've put it out straight away. Like, that's almost impressive that they're capable of doing that because that's the opposite of being a wrestling promotion. The total opposite. And it's something Zelina Vega knows as well. She may have deleted the I Support Unionization tweet, but she hasn't deleted something she put after the show, which seems to be in response to the reaction that this was getting. She said, what to take from tonight? I'm back. I'm going to be in Money in the Bank ladder match and I will win. And then at the end, she said, period. Everything else is irrelevant. I mean, she's not wrong, is she? Everything <laughs> else about this is irrelevant. But that obviously came from a defensive standpoint because I, what I can only assume is that the Twitter art probably wasn't kind to her. 
and she's been through the ringer. I, I don't really want to um, be just another wrestling voice that is probably going to target her for like electing a take a wage and pay the bills in a difficult time when an offer's come her way. It's wrestlers have swum against that tide briefly and then realise it's better just to get with it than swim against it for years when it comes to unionisation, representation, all that sort of thing. Um, so that's a sad story in and of itself, but it, she's not. She's by no means the first and won't be the last. And I think it's like it's clearly that is a response to a lot of deluge of negativity that came her way. But as with Liv Morgan and as with her and as with everybody else, it's almost never about the performers, is it? Never. Um, it's just about the fundamentally broken company that can't can't book and can't write and can't do anything episodic and exists from one segment to the next. You know, like completely forgetting what we've just watched. Just sad. Just a, just a really sad bit of wrestling television. If over the last six months you've had any sense of excitement about where Zelina Vega is going to go or what she might do, like hope you enjoyed that anticipation because it was just stubbed out like a dead tab. Yeah, I uh, we did a first news story today. It was a rumor killer on uh, Tommy and Alistair Black returning to WWE, and I was like, yeah, you think. So they get someone on Friday night. How was your first day back? Oh, they beat me in, in two minutes. I was the shortest match on the entire show. <sighs> Still got Tony Khan's number knocking about. Just, uh, anyway. <laughs> um, so then we have Seth Rollins in a magnificent jacket walking into, yes, the suddenly Pally Pally, uh, Adam Pearce and Sonya Deville's office. Uh, he is um, furious, of course, that uh, Edge has got this title shot ahead of him. He is just befuddled as to, to why that's happened um, because he, he he was convinced that they were going away to, to basically put him in that match, but they were taking it under advisement, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Uh, anyway, he is uh, going to be in the Money in the Bank ladder match if he can beat Cesaro next week and Rollins composes himself and does that annoying laugh. And Yeah, I mean, it's making me do the work, Hamlet, but the the... the the steps are there for where we're heading quite clearly with Seth Rollins and Edge at SummerSlam. So I am excited about that, even if it's convoluted, let's say. Uh, yeah, I don't, I'm like, I'm not one that like massively relishes Edge versus Seth Rollins yet, but like, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt now to make a story interesting or make me want to see the match. They've got time to do it after Money in the Bank. And yeah, like it's basic stuff, but I don't hate it. I don't hate the idea that Seth Rollins feels like he's got this divine right to a shot against Roman Reigns because he was one of the few people that Reigns couldn't list. Paul Heyman couldn't list off in that promo last week. He's got that in his back pocket. I feel like I say this all the time, like the Shields was one of the few things WWE did really well in the 2010s. So they get to dine out on that for a long time. You know, the idea of Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns coming together as a team or as opponents is interesting because once they were in an act that was supremely over, people really, really care about it. Feels like a big match and... They've been able to put that off by building up another match instead between Seth Rollins and Edge. When it happens, it, it, it's not that it won't feel earned. I can't promise that the story is going to be any good, but they're like they're doing the groundwork now. They're doing the bare minimum of work to build a match to a huge event that's probably going to be the second biggest of the year. So I mean, that's what you should be doing. That's absolutely what you should be doing. Um, as for Edge versus Seth Rollins, it should be... It's one of those where it's like, if it's really, really good, I would consider it an over-delivery. Looking at their respective big, big match records, bitch match records, big match <laughs> records. Uh, we'll see. Look, they're telling a story here, and I can't complain about that. I also don't have to be inspired by it either. Uh, squash match effectively followed. Angelo Dawkins versus Otis. Uh, this went under two minutes uh, as well. Uh, Otis has obviously lost the beard. He's got his hair cut short now. But, I mean, if I'm looking for positives, the Alpha Academy get another win. So I'll take it. He's got this, you know, Chad Gable's got this monster he sets on people who, yeah, murdered Dawkins here. Obviously, Dawkins still got the injured shoulder, the Montez Ford attack that he uh, referenced as well. Um, splash on Dawkins, follows up with the, with the Vader bomb. One, two, three. Anything you want to say about this, Sige? Not particularly, no. Um, you've taken to... Very endearing guys. Mileage varies on endearing because I think a lot of people just thought, oh, this was a creep, a weird creep. But he had he had a base, he had a bit of buzz at one point. Um, Chad Gable, as we've said countless times on this and other mediums over the years, is just a tremendous guy. And through their characterization and their very look, they could not be more nondescript. If you're going to turn two people here, you probably shouldn't be turning heel heel. 
at least make them interesting. And they are so bland and so unremarkable. Um, you can tell John Laurinaitis is back. He does not like um, long hair or <laughs> any kind of flair or personality. It's as well, like they cycled through. I didn't really hate it at the time because at least like some of the matches were okay, but they cycled through every combination of every tag team on SmackDown in the run-up to WrestleMania this year. And where's this got a lead? It's got a lead to Alpha Academy versus the Mysterios for the belts, whenever it is that the Mysterios have recovered from the beating Roman Reigns gave them. Um, and I've, I've seen it, you know. It's like there's nothing, there's not a lot really fresh here to promote other than the fact that Otis has had a shave and a haircut. Um, so, uh, yeah, jury's out a bit for me. Uh, right, main event time. Uh, before Jimmy Uso goes out, he's uh, chatting to Paul Heyman yet again in the back, uh, asking when Roman Reigns is going to show up. And Heyman said, look, this is Roman Reigns. He does what he wants. Um, but uh, Jimmy's effectively convinced himself that this is all a big ploy between this this bloodline. That, uh, he's going to go out, get Edge to come out, and then, of course, Roman is going to come out and help him. Uh, Heyman tells him, just go out there and be, be main event Jimmy Uso. He walks out to the ring. He insists Edge comes out. Uh, he said, look, Edge, uh, Edge, Roman Reigns isn't here. I don't need him. Uh, mocks him, says it isn't a trap, says he's scared to face him, calls him out, calls him out, calls him out. Edge music hit. He walks out. He says, look, I know what's going on here. I know how these things work. I've worked in WWE for bloody long enough. Reigns is clearly just waiting in the sidelines, waiting to attack me. And uh, Reigns is just using you like he did your brother. What happened to you? What happened to... Nobody's bitch. You're quite clearly one of Roman's bitches again. Uh, and then he said he'd realised, actually, this is a trap, but not for me, for you. Roman's fed you to the wolves here because he comes down to the ring. They brawl. Um, Uso is looking around for what he anticipates is help from the Universal Champion. It doesn't come. Edge uh, beats him down. Uso fights back, uh, hits him with a super kick, seems to get the advantage. Um, again, he's looking around for support all the time, but... In the midst of all this, Edge fights back. He puts him in the cross face. Uso taps out. Just, just brutalizes him here. Uh, Edge releases him. Spear goes to the outside, gets a chair, but doesn't use the chair. He uh, stumps on it, gets a piece of the chair, just like he did with Roman. And uh, the ending shot of the show is Jimmy Uso in the cross face with the bar of the chair in his mouth. You know, mirroring what happened uh, with Roman Reigns at WrestleMania and Edge shouting down the camera that this is what is in Roman Reigns' future. A statement from Edge to end this week's show, Hamlet. Yeah. Um, like, just sort of to go back on something we say, I think when the weather conditions killed out Sidgwick's connection, we were talking about Jimmy Uso a little bit. I, I just don't know quite yet how I'm supposed to read his character. And I've just got concerns that the creative team think that they're just booking jay and they haven't realized that the other twins back like it's I, I want i want to think more of the like the longer term story they're telling with the usos and or with jimmy at least and i like i don't really get that here like so he's not had the backing from roman fine um but who like who's zooming who like he's not exactly that smart getting his ass kicked for the second week in a row is he mm. like even if it's just like reveal some sort of like long con at the end or he's known where Jay is all along. So I'm not sure how well that element of it is, is working right now. It's certainly nowhere near as clever as they think it is, no matter how it's supposed to end up. Um, the edge visual was like, fine. I, I like, I don't mind this edge Roman Reigns thing. I think, like, I think it's enough. I'm not doing backflips or anything. Um, it's not particularly selling me on a title change, but I think it's enough for them to get to money in the bank with. That's don't get it. Just don't get this great genius thing. And you know what? Even if they didn't have that really sort of suffocating narrative that this is all a big, great, elaborate genius thing, I still don't think I'd be particularly high on it. If there is indeed a scheme at work, it's very convoluted and dumb. It makes Jimmy Iso look dumb. If there's a big meta thing where it's like, oh, you're conflating the twins, aren't you? Audience, well, it's what Roman Reigns has said he'd been doing all along. What's it going to end up as? A 2-on-1 handicap, man. As I've said before, I just don't get it. Don't get it. Um, not interested in it. Don't like enough people in it to invest in it. Um, Edge can't use the chair in the match as it stands. Pointless thread they've introduced for the sake of visual. Um, 
Smackdown sucks. <laughs> well, let us know your thoughts on Friday Night Smackdown on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch, they can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamlet at... Michael Hamlet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE, of course. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, including, of course, our preview of SmackDown on Friday and later on today, our preview of Monday Night Raw. But for now, this has been the SmackDown Review. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.